Welcome to the Spirit-Led Discipleship Podcast. I'm Nate Harkness, and I wanted to take you guys out to the bird sanctuary this morning. It is a stunningly beautiful morning in Georgia. The sun is shining, there's a slight breeze, and maybe you can hear the birds and the frogs chirping in the background. And I wish you could see what I'm seeing, uh, but I thought this would be a good context to share something with you that's been on my mind. Um, uh, some thoughts and maybe a new skill in discerning what God's will is, uh, in learning how to listen to him and hear what God wants, um, what he's like, and what he desires. So there actually is a process in scripture uh, that... I discovered recently while writing my book, Spirit-Led Discipleship, and it's this amazing, simple process for knowing what God's will is. Now, when we talk about God's will, it's his thelo, it's his uh, will, wish, or desire. Um, this is what God thinks, what he wants, uh, what he desires. And uh we often talk about God's will in the context of mystery and confusion. Uh, oh, the mystery of his will. He's, it's so mysterious. Nobody can know his will. But actually, in the context of uh, the New Testament, especially in the writings of Paul, when Paul talks about God's will, he's talking not about something which is hidden, but something which has been revealed. He actually wants the churches and the Christians to know what the will of God is. For him, it's not a mystery anymore. It was, but in Christ, the will of God's been revealed. And so, um, I'm going to read Romans 12, and I'm going to talk about a three-step process for knowing uh, what God's will is, and then maybe um, I'll demonstrate. So, uh, Romans 12, beginning at verse 1, um, says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual or reasonable act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So let's go backwards. From the front, we'll go back. Um, good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's encouraging. God's will, when we finally see it for what it is, we will be able to test and approve and say, yep, that is God's will and it's good, pleasing, and perfect. So God does not um, give us evil things. Um, evil is not his will. Good, pleasing, and perfect things are his will. Um, and there's, a, there's a, a sense or an allusion to the idea that uh, we will find his will to be good, pleasing, and perfect. So we won't always be sitting here saying, wow, I know God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect in an objective sense, but I will never be able to understand it as such. No, um, God's will is pleasing, good, pleasing, and perfect, and it is good, pleasing, and perfect to us. Uh, you know, even if in the beginning it may not always feel that way, it actually is, and there is hope that we will be able to experience God's will as delightful, wonderful, tasty, 
um, joyful. So we want to know what that will is because I, I guarantee that whatever it is, it will be good, pleasing, and perfect for our lives. So let's try to figure out um, how do we discern God's will and then how do we walk in it? Uh, well, it's pretty simple, um, but maybe counterintuitive. Uh, but I really like to use this, this little, this little three-step process to, um, to prepare my mind and heart to receive, uh, understanding and instruction from God about what his will is. So the first step is, uh, in view of God's mercy, we're going to do something. So the first thing we need to do is get a view of God's mercy. Now, Paul finishes, um, his previous chapter and, uh, Romans 11 with this incredible song about the mercies of God. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or has been his counselor who has ever given to God that God should repay him. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Wow. Paul is saying God's mercy is so incredible. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. He is so incredible. He is so wise. So he's worshiping God. He's just saying, God, remember, I remember your mercies. And I think the first step for us needs to be, we need to remember God's mercy. And I just like to go back and scan over the last 20 years of the timeline of my life and say, wow, God, remember when I was completely weak and powerless before you remember, you know, remember how I just did my own thing and ran away from home and and hurt lots of people and could do nothing but injure and abuse and and damage and, and harm and judge and and remember just just how how imprisoned I was and how you scooped me out and how you just pursued me and even even when I was like just you know a mean religious zealot like you you scooped me out and you just pursued me and chased me down and you loved me anyways and I I didn't deserve your love but you poured out mercy for me or I could even go further back and I could say wow even before my life began Lord remember how you poured out your mercy on my father and and my mother and their parents and uh, generations before me remember your mercy uh, through through Jesus like how you you know, your mercy to your people, how you created them and, and chased them down and made a covenant with one person and then pursued his family. And even when they, they hardened their hearts, you kept pursuing and holding your arms out to them. And finally, you sent your own son and, and died for their sins as an atonement and, and was raised to life so that your life could get into them. Like, you're so amazing. And you pursued your people throughout history, even when they were judgmental and hypocritical and, and cruel and unkind and violent and, and completely against your will, although they said that they were all about you. Like, you still pursued them. You still loved them. You still, wow, the the, the mercies of God start sounding really big when you start telling history, when you start counting stories and testimonies. That's an amazing view of the mercy of God we have. We have a, a, a thousand foot vista of the mercies of God when we start telling these stories back to ourselves. Suddenly our hearts are soft and we remember, oh, God is good. 
God is good. The wor- I mean, it feels, the world feels complicated and big and hard and scary, and it feels like all the bad people are winning. But God is still good. God is intrinsically and fully himself. He's been, um, he's been at this for a lot longer than we have. And he is the same yesterday and today and forever. And so, um, so I just like to remind myself, you know, God really is so merciful so kind to you, so kind um, to people, so kind to this world. Um, Even though uh, the world is damaged by sin, there's still places like this bird sanctuary where I'm sitting where the flowers bloom and the grass is green and the water is still and everything is just singing, yay, God is good. (laughs) And and so that's, that's sort of how I get a view of God's mercy. And in view of that mercy, Um, Paul exhorts us to submit your bodies as living sacrifices. Now, um, why bodies and why not minds and hearts? I think there's probably a lot of good answers to that. Um, One is maybe Paul's reminding us that we're not disembodied spirits. Um, Our bodies are important. and, um, And it's not just about like, you know, submitting our physical health to God. It's about su- submitting the the temple we live in, submitting the you know the the thing that that walks around with us all day, submitting our very selves, our very bodies to God as a living sacrifice, and saying, God, you laid yourself out on the altar for my sin. And now I'm going to lay myself on the altar as a thanks offering to you. Just to say, thank you. Here's my body. Here's my life. Every, every step that my feet take, every motion my hands make, every place my eyes glance, every way in which my heart beats and my, my lungs breathe, um, I do it in you and through you and according to you, and I do it submitted to you. I'm just, that's, and that's it. It's just submission. It's just saying, I submit to you. In view of your mercy, I can submit to you. And um, we're not doing violence to ourselves in asking our bodies, hey, can we submit to the will and desire of Jesus today? Because we do it in view of his mercy. We, we remind ourselves, no, he really is good and kind. So there's agreement within our own selves that, yes, Jesus is trustworthy and we can submit our bodies to him. And so, um, so I just like to picture my own, my own body and picture Jesus right there and say, hey, Jesus, this is yours. Whatever's in my hands are yours. Whatever is in my body is yours. Whatever is in my mind is yours. I submit to you. And I'm, I'm simply transferring the seed of authority over this day, over this mind, over this life. And I'm saying, once again, I'm saying to you, my life is yours. And um, it's helpful if there's something in the way uh, of me doing that. Like, like I want to give you my life, Jesus, but I'm so anxious or I'm so in pain or I'm so angry or I'm so bitter just to take a few deep breaths to point our finger on that and, uh, on whatever that is. Um, or maybe we don't know what it is. And we say, Jesus, I'm just feeling, 
I'm not feeling it today. I'm not, I don't want to surrender my mind and heart and body to you. I, I want to, but I don't want to. Would you please show me where that's coming from? And, and help me to see it with clarity. And it can be helpful just to sit in silence um, for, about, for about as long as it takes. Um, if you've got 30 minutes or an hour, just to sit silently. You don't have to pray or um, do anything. Just mentally um, keep God gently before you in your mental gaze and sit quietly and just look at him. And wait for him to show you something. Wait quietly, uh, the Bible says. Wait quietly for his salvation. And, uh, and often it just takes a little bit of breathing. <laughs> and God will say, all right, the issue here is whatever. Um, is fear, is pride, is anger, is unforgiveness, is resentment. And he'll show you those things. And, and you can say, all right, Jesus... Uh, can you help me? What can I do about these things? Um, I want to give them to you. I want to give them to you because I know that your will is good, pleasing, and perfect. And I want to know what it is because I want to walk in it. I've just learned over many years of, of falteringly trying to walk with Jesus that when I get over myself and really surrender, it's always good. 100%. It's always good. It just feels good. It tastes good. It smells good. It is good. Um, Miracles happen. Um, I'm peaceful. Like, I want to get to the peacefulness of surrender and submission to God. And if I'm not there, I've learned that I want to get there as quickly as possible because it is so much better to live in surrender than to um, hang on to my own agenda. Uh, and that's just something that, that you learn, you know, uh, over many years with many testimonies of God's goodness and his faithfulness. But then once we've surrendered, once we've just, even, even if it's imperfect, even if it's like, ah, I'm struggling to let go of this one thing, um, but I am, to the degree that I'm able right now, just I'm surrendered to you. Um, God is tender towards our weakness and he will use the little we can give him and he will multiply it. That's, he's good at multiplying what we, what we give him. And so in view of God's mercy, having surrendered our body as a living sacrifice, um, we are suddenly able to know God's good, pleasing and perfect will to test and approve. Um, and All we have to do is ask. God, in this place of surrender, in view of your mercies, what do you want me to do today? What is your will for my day? And then you pay attention to what comes across your your mind, your little mental movie screen. And a lot, of, um, a lot of what God's saying to me even now is stuff that I would not have valued um, or appreciated as from him, like being genuinely from him, if I had not taken time to get a good view of his mercy.
Because a lot of what he's, he wants to say in terms of what his will is, is, um, is stuff that I already know and stuff that is just true of his heart. The two things that God says to me more than anything else are, I love you and do not be afraid. I love you, do not be afraid. Um, and I, I, know, I know he'll say that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, variations on that. So, so when I say, God, what's your will for today? What I hear him saying is, um, to love me, my will is for you to love me and to be called according to my purposes. For you are called according to my purposes, and I love you. And it's, it's so simple and dorky that I wouldn't value it and pay attention to it if I didn't know God better. But I know that in, in his heart, even when he says the same thing a thousand times, each time can have a different connotation and a different meaning. So I just say, okay, Lord, how do I love you today? Keep your eyes on me and be simple. Be simple before me. And then he goes on. Um, and what I'm hearing is, um, you are right in, in saying that the simplest things are often the hardest things, but they are the best things because I am simple. So keep your eyes on me. And there's a, there's a quality of connection that comes with those words. There's a peacefulness of, um, yeah, of course I know I should keep my eyes on Jesus. That's silly. Of course I know that. And yet, in my mental uh, faculty, in my mental sight, I'm, I'm able to sort of keep, I'm able to actually see Jesus in front of me. And um, I'm able to feel this quality of simplicity in gazing at him. And I'm able to feel the complexity that I've been feeling, the anxiety and the complexity around that anxiety. Um, I'm able to feel it sort of wash away. Um, and I'm able to feel myself becoming childlike in the simplicity of looking at Jesus. And I hear, I hear him say, this is my heart and my desire for you, that you should simply look at me and get your guidance from looking at me. And I'm certain that we can press in and ask more. You know, from, from this place of simple connection um, with his heart and his desire, his will, um, you know, I can ask him questions about specific things. Uh, I can ask him about um, about the plane tickets I'm booking today or planning to book today, about the, the little Excel spreadsheet that I'm working on and um, the emails that I need to write. I can ask him about a lot of things if I keep my eyes on him 
he has a really good way of prompting me and showing me his will. And sometimes he shows it to me in pieces. Sometimes it's not all at once. Sometimes I get a really good, you know, 10,000 foot view of his, of his will and what's coming down the line. But I'm also able to let go of my need to know every step in advance, um, to know where we're going in advance. Uh, if he just shows me the next step, that's enough for me. So, um, so I'll keep the conversation going after this. But that's the three-step process. Maybe try it on your own at home. Get a good view of God's mercy by recounting to yourself the good things he's done. Then, in an act of simple surrender, offer your body as a living sacrifice. And then ask him, in a quiet space, Lord, having surrendered myself in view of your mercy, will you show me your will? Will you show me your heart and your desire for X? Maybe just for me. What's your will and your desire for me right now, today, in this moment? Um, You may be surprised at the words you hear and the ways in which you're able to value them and recognize them, testing and improving them uh, as God's will, um, having been anchored in his grace and mercy. So it's good to walk the journey with you. And I look forward to talking with you next time.